The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Friday Night Live, uh, another edition of Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, this Friday, this lovely Friday afternoon, early evening on the 5th of July 2019, corresponding to the 2nd of Zulqa'da 1440. All right, as usual, we are broadcasting live from Luton on 105.1 FM. And also broadcasting live to our sister stations uh, nationally on Sheffield Link FM, uh, Peterborough, Salam, Derby and Nottingham. And of course, as always, internationally, nationally, you can tune in via the Inspire FM app. And also via the Inspire FM website, right? So I've done that personally myself for some of the other programs. So it's a good way of listening in. Just go on to the Inspire FM website and listen to us live. Or in fact, watch us live here from the studio, right? And we're always streaming live on Facebook too. So plenty of ways for you to uh, tune in and listen in to the debate and the discussion as it progresses, inshallah. Uh, and as I, as, I, as I just said, most importantly, do join in today's discussion, do join in today's debate. You know, it's, it's always great to hear from our listeners, hear your views, your points of view, you know. You hear me plenty, plenty of times, you, you're hearing me all the time, right? You're hearing some of the experts, but we really want to hear from you, our listeners. 01582 for your social messages, for your social media messages. 0779481822, right? Don't remain silent, join in today's discussion, right? Uh, and, and today's discussion, you may ask, what are we discussing today? So we are discussing uh, Pakistan, right? So we're not discussing the Pakistan cricket team, right? Don't get excited. Uh, I think we're out of the semi-finals, so we're out of the World Cup. Unfortunately, we are going on a high. Uh, Pakistan is going out on a high with a, with a number of victories, but we are not going to be discussing that. And uh, a bit too late in the day, isn't it? A bit too late in the day. Good performances last couple of games, but unfortunately, we haven't been able to beat Bangladesh by the 350 plus runs that we needed. And it seems like, or it appears that New Zealand will be going through. So we're not discussing Pakistan cricket, but we are discussing something that is not going down too well at the moment, and that's Pakistan. Pakistan economy, right? Pakistan economy, as a lot of you know, who send money back home. Good news for you sending money back home because you're almost getting 200 rupees for the pound. But what on earth is happening with the Pakistan economy, with the Pakistani rupee, with the Pakistan political system, strong economy? We're going to try to find out. We're going to be speaking to some experts uh, and we're going to be getting their uh, expert opinion on what's happening in Pakistan and its economy. Uh, but if you've had any personal experiences with regards to family members out in Pakistan living there and the extremely high cost of living, Living and the ta- and the taxation that seems to be going up all the time for the poor, then do please share your experiences. Zero zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two, zero one five eight two four eight one eight double two. So we are going to be discussing Pakistan economy in the first half an hour, and then we're going to also be discussing the imminent imminent visit to Washington by Imran Khan. So Imran Khan's on his way. Uh, 
is on his way. Yeah, he's on his way to be uh, to meet uh, Trump and towards the end of July. Uh, and there were, if you remember, uh, some strong altercations in the early days of Trump. Uh, so we're going to be discussing what's happening. What's Imran Khan intending to discuss with Trump? What's Trump? What's on the agenda for Trump? What are the geopolitics uh, games and uh, you know uh, you know uh, strategies in play in the region? So it's Pakistan in the first uh, first hour, and then it's America again in the next hour when we're going to be discussing the so-called deal of the century with regards to Palestine. Deal of the century, or is it steal of the century? We're going to be discussing that later. This is about an economic conference happening in happened last week in Bahrain discussing Palestine. Looks like that they're trying to sell out Palestine by in, in, enticing uh, some money and putting some money on the table. But we'll be speaking to the experts and they'll be telling us more. So that's the lineup, folks. Uh, this is Friday Night Live and I am Hafi Shaban. Right, so let's uh, move swiftly on to our first story. Right, first story we are going to be covering uh, this evening or this uh, this afternoon, inshallah, is going to be Pakistan and the Pakistan economy. Now, as I said earlier in the introduction, you're almost getting 200 rupees to a pound. Wow. Right. Wow. That's incredible. Right. That's incredible. All uh, you know, and, and the Pakistani government unveiled its first annual budget for the fiscal year 2019-2020. Early in June, it took a long time to get it passed in the houses of parliament. Right. In its uh, in its assembly. Okay. And and it was passed on the 28th of June. All indicators are suggesting something seriously worrying. Something seriously worrying. Now, I'm going to be asking my panel of experts, is this the near Pakistan that Imran Khan has been discussing for the last year? Is this the near Pakistan where you get 200 rupees for a pound? Uh, I'm asking my listeners, what are your experiences? What are your experiences recently with regards to Pakistan? And with regards to uh, sending money to Pakistan, with regards to your family members that might be in Pakistan at the moment, right? And with regards to, you know, experiences of family members out in Pakistan or any stories that you know of from Pakistan where people are, you know, currently struggling as, as I understand it from my conversations with, you know, people connected with Pakistan with the extremely high cost of living, right? Uh, I want to hear your story. 0158248182027948182 but let me let me firstly start by giving some uh, some uh, facts right and and that will set the scene before uh, the team that are trying to get through to some of our experts uh, we're going to be trying to speak to Taha Siddiqui who's the journalist and founder of safe new safe newsrooms.org right uh, and who wrote a, a quite an interesting article right so i've read this article and if you haven't read it i, I suggest that you actually read it uh, and the article is titled why pakistan's economy is sinking Right, why Pakistan's economy is sinking and this is of course after a year of Imran Khan being in power now I know a lot of you Imran Khan fans and, and hang on by the way I am also an Imran Khan, Khan fan when it comes to cricket when it comes to cricket, I was a big fan of Imran Khan, right? But I don't quite get it, right? How do you transition from cricket into politics, right? And how you uh, and how you come with the, this Nair Pakistan vision sounds fantastic, right? 
but I'm not seeing much of Nia Pakistan. I'm seeing very, very case of old Pakistan and the systematic problems when it comes to economy, when it comes to the politics, and when it comes to some of the uh, other, you know, foreign policy, etc., that we were accustomed to seeing in old Pakistan. Now, I know a lot of you critics and a lot of you listeners and a lot of you, you know, uh, fans are going to come back to me and I, and I welcome your thoughts. I welcome your opinions and I invite you to come and speak to me on, on air with regards to what you believe to be the current philosophy, right? But the way I see it at the moment is we're heading down, right, a spiral. We're heading down a spiral economically. We're heading down a spiral when it comes to politically, right? We're heading down a spiral when it comes to some of the other elements, right? So I need to know what's going on, right? All right. So if, if you've got thoughts, 0158248822077941822, right? So we have got one of my, uh, I believe we've got some of my panelists live. Okay, I didn't, I didn't realize that they were actually live but great okay so i believe we should have taha siddiqui and we should have abu isra hopefully on on, on the call uh taha siddiqui firstly okay and abu isra right so i i don't know who's actually live at the moment is it abu isra okay abu isra so you you, you probably heard my introduction over the last couple of minutes i seem to have been talking to myself i wasn't sure i wasn't aware that you were actually on on, on air uh, and, and listening in but what, what's your assessment of uh the introduction uh, that, that I've just given over the last couple of minutes with regards to where Pakistan economy and, and current Nia Pakistan is heading. Jazakallah, um, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I would agree with uh, some of your sort of dismal assessment of uh, where Pakistan is heading or headed. I mean, in the last uh, 10 to 11 months of uh, Mr. Khan's government, um, you know, he came with a promise, two promises. One was Naya Pakistan, the other, he said, Medina Kiriyata. Right. You know, this, uh, the, the, the Pakistan, based on the concept of the, 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 the state that Prophet ﷺ established in Medina. So, awesome. so uh, and what people have witnessed, to be honest, in the last uh, 10 to 11 months uh, has been a complete anticlimax um, of what uh, the kind of promises or, or the uh, claims that Mr. Khan made um, right. prior to the election. Right. So, yeah. so- all right, so so we're going to be dissecting this, right? So but I want to start off firstly, right? Uh, where are we going wrong or where's Pakistan going wrong in terms of the economy, right? So at the moment, as I was saying in my introduction, 200 rupees, right, to, to a pound, right? Uh, and if I remember correctly, right, I haven't been following the events very closely, but wasn't one of the pledges of near Pakistan no more IMF? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, it, it wasn't. It wasn't just a pledge that uh, uh, no IMF. In fact, the statement from uh, Imran Khan prior to the election was was to the effect that if I uh, if I ever decided to go to uh, IMF or any of the, these uh, inter- international lending institutes, I would rather commit suicide than uh, you know uh, do any of that. Really, that's and, a, that's uh, an official that's, comment from Imran Khan. That, that's an official reported comment. Right. I'm not making it up. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's well recognized as a comment in Pakistani circles and, and media. Yeah, I mean, so you you would find find this statement. Uh, so, but what what has happened uh, is that uh, Mr. Khan. It, it, it is quite obvious, to to be honest, uh, you know, political analyst that uh, uh, Imran Khan uh, he, he wasn't ready. He didn't know what he was getting getting himself into. Um, the, the real real politic, if you want to call it. I mean, you know, all the re- realities mm. of uh, how a state is governed, the the, the geopolitical uh, aspects of it, and how major powers are, for example, um, 
you know, want to play their games in a, you know, in, in a state like Pakistan, for example. And you know how inter- uh, how Pakistan is an integrated part of the global uh, international uh, monetary system or a f- financial system. Right. So without any uh, proper understanding of that, when mm. you make these outlandish claims, and then when the reality hits you, you know, you don't know where, where to go, right. where to run, where uh, to uh, Abu Isa, so we're, we're talking about an Oxford graduate here. Are you telling me that in all of his 15 years of political campaigning, getting ready for this big one moment and big opportunity, that he didn't have an economic blueprint to go to uh, the, the, the nation with once he's brought, once he comes into power? Ineffective. Is that what you're telling me? A lot of critics yes. listening to this will say, sorry, Abu Isra, I, I don't buy what you're saying, but rather it's, uh, it's, it's some of the other elements, uh, some other factors here at play. Well, I mean, look, the the the, uh, the test of it is in the in the as they say in the pudding. I mean, he himself made outlandish statements. I mean, a month or a few weeks before the elections, he was making very black and white statements, like going to uh, country to country with a begging ball or going to the IMF. He said, you know, he would rather, like I said, he would rather commit suicide. So the thing is that he has done, I mean, and I can I can quote you tens of his um, statements or promises he made before elections related to the economy, where he's done exact 180 degree U-turns. And again, you know, the guy is famous for his, uh, his U-turns. People, people used to call Zazari Mr. 10%. People call him Mr. U-turn, uh, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah. Whether he's an Oxford graduate or not, the, the reality is that understanding of international monetary system or the or, or mm. how international lending institutes work or how economy works from at least from monetary perspective is it, it, quite a sign. Right. And not many politicians in Pakistan understand this. Right. Right. Abu Isra. Right. So I, f- I forgot to really introduce you to my listenership. Right. So they need to understand where you're coming from. So 20 years, what telecoms industry I see here, uh, you know, a senior executive with a number of blue chip organisations. So you've obviously you got some, you know, credibility in terms of you know running, you know, and representing you know multi, you know, international, you know, organisations, and you've travelled to Pakistan quite, quite, in fact, lived in Pakistan quite considerably. And political commentator, help me out of this quagmire that we're in at the moment. What for you are the key issues here? I mean, is it just a case of the fact that we're? It can't be just as simplistic as it's just further debts and and further IMF, you know, you know, uh, what, what is it? Uh, debt loans with, with all of the conditions attached that it, that is creating the current you know you, you know crisis for for the, for the Pakistani economy it must be a number of number of factors here right Oh yeah, the, of course. Um, uh, there are multiple factors, but I would I would say the key factor here is a structural, systemic uh, issue Pakistan is facing. In fact, not just Pakistan, but the whole world is facing. To be honest, just give you a quick uh, couple of statistics. If you if you if you look at the, uh, the the global economic model that we are following around the world right now, except one or two countries like Cuba or North Korea, the rest of the world is is in a liberal, international liberal, secular liberal order, a capitalist order. And if you look at two to three hundred years of history, for example, Britain or, or America, UK right now has an average household debt of fifty-eight thousand pounds. So, and the, the the country itself, the state of UK, has more than three trillion pound of debt. Uh, similarly, if you look at the US, uh, one hundred and thirty-seven thousand US dollars of average household debt. This is a private debt, by the way, like yeah. carrying carried by the, uh, by the household. And the state is carrying more than twenty-two or twenty-one to twenty-two trillion dollars of of, uh, of debt. And this is this is just a rec- uh, uh, debt which is uh, recognised by the uh, Federal Reserve and other institutes. Yeah. There's another probably hundred plus 
trillion dollars of uh, unfunded uh, liability. That's another debt in, in the U.S. What I'm trying to say here is that this uh, issue that we are facing in Pakistan, uh, $100 plus billion dollars of uh, debt, uh, inflation, uh, currency getting devalued so quickly, mm. I mean, these are the issues which are systemic, system-related issues, they are mm. structural issues. I mean, if you ask me, uh, you know, to give you a couple of shortcuts, I mean, there is no... No, but, 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 but hang on, hang on, hang, hang on. Before, before we go there, I, I hear what you're saying to me, right? And, and, and my listeners are also... Uh, hearing what you're saying, but you know the uh, the counter argument would be, well, look at America is is probably the uh, if if I remember correctly, it's the greatest indebted nation in the world, right? But it doesn't suffer the same problems as Pakistan. So just taking debt and taking loans doesn't necessarily you know fulfill the equation that you you, you know you're going to have you know this inflation and you're going to have economic crises and you're going to have the financial you know the the the, the quagmire that Pakistan is facing at the moment, right? Uh, so I hear that what you're saying in terms of it being systematic, uh, systematic, right? So it's it's a bigger problem than just taking IMF debts, right? And IMF loans, right? Even though IMF loans are even to, according to this this uh, author that we're trying to reach at the moment, and we're unable to reach him, right? Uh, he also highlights that okay, look, Pakistan continues to take out more loans, right? And and it com- continues to service, you know, every year, thirty percent of its budget every year is going towards servicing these debts. I hear that right yeah. uh, and then yeah. Imran Khan comes in with a promise no more IMF loans no more begging book, uh, you know begging bowls to, to the neighboring you know Gulf states and then suddenly realizes he hasn't got an alternative yeah. Right. He hasn't got an alternative. He has to go back to, to, to that. Right. And some of the counter arguments that I've heard is, look, this in the short interim is the only option that he has. Right. And and the idea is to strategically then, you know, kind of weave, weave yourself out of that situation. Right. So give him a bit of time. What, what do you say? Uh, what do you say that, to that, Abu Israel? Well, look, if you look at the track record of uh, Pakistan's uh, economy or, or the previous uh, government, this is not the first time we've, we've, we are going to IMF or we have gone to IMF and um, st- struck a, an agreement. This is the 22nd time we have approached IMF, although different type of programs. They mm. were not all the similar type programs. But this is the 22nd time. Wow. And, you know, as they say, you know... Well, this is the 22nd you, times we've gone to an IMF for, for, a, for, a, for a loan, is it? Exactly, and, wow. and and the thing is, and every time a, a government in the and this is from the fifties, nineteen fifty, I think from nineteen fifty-eight onwards, or nineteen fifty-six onwards, we have gone to IMF, and this is the twenty-second time we have gone to IMF. The, the thing is that every single time the the rulers of the time, the governments of the time, yeah. they they had made the same argument. They look, uh, you know, we have no uh, choice, we have no option, but so. Uh, it, it, it tells you that uh, this is not a solution. It's sanity. It's insanity that repeating the same sort of uh, things again and again and expecting a different result. It, it, it is a recipe for disaster, to be honest. So Pakistan needs a different uh, way of dealing with right. uh, our economic issues, political issues. In fact, Pakistan as a state, mashallah, is a 220 plus million uh, people's country, 60% of which is, which is youth, right. under 35 years of age. So we have so much potential, but this system is really uh, caging us in. It's, it's, right. it's not letting us 
you know, unleash our, our real potential. Uh, potential. Oh, okay, so, 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 so I just yeah, want you to hold, hold on to your thought, right? I just want to, I just want to go, go reach out to my, um, to my listenership, right? Uh, and I just want to remind them: oh one five eight two, oh one five eight two four eight one eight double two. Do you agree with the assessment that we are hearing from Abu Isra, who is a political commentator, giving his view on the Pakistani economy, the near Pakistan that we're, we're we're seeing unfold over the last twelve months? plus right where we've got a bit of a, a bit of a crisis going on in Pakistan in terms of the economy uh, inflation uh, the devaluation of the rupee uh, right and, and and the list goes on I, I want to hear from my listeners 0158 do I do I have a I, I'm not sure whether I have, a, I, have a, I have a caller no I don't have a caller okay I don't have a caller right so okay that, that's a message to my listeners 0779 is for their social media messages right I want, I want to come back to Abu Isra right okay so you've given me a, 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 a fair enough assessment of you know the, the debt problem that we have in Pakistan I, I think a lot of our listeners and, and a lot of commentators will probably agree with that they'll probably disagree in the fact that okay they can't see a viable alternative uh, alright but now let's, let's go on to some of the other problems that we have right it's not just debt is it what about taxation right so taxation I mean the the, the, the you know, I go to Pakistan quite regularly. I go there, I top up my mobile, you know, you know, and, and it's incredible. Almost 50% of it goes towards tax, right? I hear with regards to the 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 the, the almost the the, uh, the VAT that has been added onto the average, you know, kind of commodities and, and essentials that the average person needs to buy. I'm being pressed by the the local authorities for Islamabad, you know, property tax or Pindi uh, property tax, but it's a kind of similar scenario that I hear here in, in the West, which is the Starbucks and the multinationals paying very little, if any tax at all. And it seems to be the same problem in Pakistan. How do we address the problem of taxation? And is taxation a way of addressing this problem, uh, Abu Isra? Well, I mean, <clears throat> the um, politicians in Pakistan have continuously uh, <clears throat> made this ridiculous claim, including in Pakistan, that Pakistanis don't pay taxes. This is such a ridiculous claim. Pakistani, every single Pakistani, uh, whether uh, living under under one dollar a day, which is a vast amount, uh, vast uh, percentage of Pakistani population, I mean, around uh, around out to fifty to sixty percent are under two dollars a day. Uh, but when a, when a poor person like that goes goes to buy basic uh, you know necessities, he's paying taxes. I mean, everything you buy uh, has indirect tax. So what this indirect taxation has done, and there are plethora of taxes, uh, mm. indirect taxes we're talking mm. about, mm. you know. So, uh, so, so, the, so first of all, there's a, ridic a ridiculous claim that people are not paying taxes. In fact, the state, unfortunately, and the system... Well, it's, 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 really it's the poor people that are paying taxes, right? But there's a huge amount of tax avoidance, isn't there, with the multinationals, right? The people who, are, according to this article, can't promise to crack down on tax evasion, but its own members from his own party recently emerged that a minister in Khan's cabinet had evaded paying taxes for years by transferring his luxury properties to one of his employees. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, look, they, uh, we, we know very well how uh, the tax evasion and avoidance uh, sort of terminologies work within the West. The person who has been appointed recently as the head of FBR, the Federal Board of Revenue, the tax collection agency in Pakistan, Shabazeli, he's an ex-partner uh, of A. Ferguson, a company who helps these multinational blue chip companies and their share, majority share, big, big shareholders, you know, to avoid taxes. I mean, you know, so... 
the rich, in fact, in this system, in capitalist system in Pakistan and, and around the world, they they are avoiding taxes. I mean, you know. Mm. Um, so, uh, and so, 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 are, are we? Are you saying that if the rich were paying taxes in Pakistan? Right, uh, and, and we've got the the debt problem. I understand that, but if they were paying their taxes, that we would have a slightly better situation, and perhaps not the the kind of quagmire that we're in at the moment. The thing is, uh, we we could keep discussing this within mm. the existing framework, right. or we can perhaps look at an alternative, another model of taxation, or at least collection of uh, revenue from from the uh, the the wealthy. Or, or, or the citizens of the state which can afford uh, to uh, contribute into the state's coffers. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the existing paradigm, um, yeah. you would see in the UK, for example, we, we, we pay, everybody pays tax. Right, you got, you got, uh, you got, you got, Abu, sorry, you got 30 seconds. Sorry to interject. We've got 30 seconds. We need to go into commercial break, right? Uh, but I do want to hold on to you because I need to also discuss Imran Khan's visit to America, right, towards the end. So you got, you got about 20 seconds and then I'm going to go into commercial break if that's possible at all. Yeah, no, I would say that look, there's no point to be on discussing within the existing framework. I think an alternative mm. system level discussion needs to be had now. To be honest, it's 71 years. We are not going anywhere. And Muslim world is not going anywhere. We need to have an alternative of the system level discussion to be had. So I think in the next segment, if you, if you have some time, we need to look towards Islam. I want to explore some alternative options. Dollar versus gold. I want to look at that. I know you're not an economic expert, but I want to I hear that. Is it still a, a viable option? Reliance on the dollar. Why are we always relying on the dollar? What, what, what is the link to relying on the dollar on our economy, right? I want to get a couple of thoughts on that. But like I said, and then... And and, and then the key discussion I want to I have is Imran Khan going to Washington, right? So I've got 30 seconds. I have to go into a, a mandatory commercial break. I really do appreciate Abu Isra. I, I know I only had you for the first 30 minutes, but if you can give me a bit more of your time, it'd be fantastic to get your expertise on Imran Khan's visit to Washington. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll, fantastic. I uh, really appreciate that. Right, listeners, that, that is uh, Abu Isra. Very kind to hold on for a couple of more minutes uh, over the commercial break. We are going to go into a commercial break. When I do come back, we're going to be continuing discussing Pakistan. But I haven't heard from you, our listeners. Please, darling, don't go away. We'll be back right after this break. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum listeners and welcome back to Friday Night Live on uh, this Friday the 5th of July lovely Friday afternoon early evening here from Luton broadcasting live on Inspire FM 105.1 FM uh, you are with me Hafiz Shaban and we are, have been discussing Pakistan and as I said earlier we are not discussing the Pakistan cricket team seem to be a bit of a revival very late in the day just got news that they have won against Bangladesh World and Pakistan cricket team but unfortunately a bit too late we haven't been able to make it through to the semi-finals commiserations good effort chaps and uh, of course good good effort on, on from the Bangladeshi cricket team as well as the Afghani cricket team I have to say it's been a very good set of games by all of the teams anyway 015824818220779481822 for your social media messages we are discussing the Pakistan economy and we are going to be moving on discussing the the, the, the planned trip of uh, Pakistan PM Imran Khan to meet US President Donald Trump for talks on improving ties.
supplies towards the end of this month later this month okay we have got a number of uh, experts on the call and I'm gonna go to them really uh, immediately because uh, they've been very kind enough to give us their valuable time this evening uh, and to continue to hold whilst we went into a commercial break let me go immediately to Abu Isra and uh, have a couple of more questions from Abu Isra uh, and also we do have uh, Usman Zayed who is the BBC Pakistan producer also on the call but let me go to firstly to Abu Isra Abu Isra thank you very much for holding on right very kind of you we were discussing the Pakistan economy I understand it's not your expertise you are a, a more of a political commentator right uh you, you, you know, we, we were discussing earlier in terms of the economy. We discussed many different aspects, where, you know, in terms of uh, more debt, fueling more debt, IMF, not the way out. We've discussed in terms of taxation uh, and how the, the rich are getting away with paying taxation, whereas the poor are, 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 are you know, burdened by paying tax inevitably, forcibly, because of the, the everyday items that they need to buy and they are forced to pay tax, right? You were purporting and you were proposing an alternative uh, to the current system that we've got and at least in terms of the economic system a lot of people will say what what alternative are you suggesting in terms of economic system because there doesn't seem to be anything apart from the good old or the bad old capitalism and the capitalist system at the moment uh, what, 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 what are you purporting gold standard as opposed to the fear standard uh, are you are you, are you, are you suggesting linking the Pakistani rupee to gold as opposed to dollar or are you, are you you know proposing you know something more radical than that Abu Isra well I mean uh, it, it, to be honest when we discuss economic solutions it, the, the solution has has to have some some kind of grounding some kind of uh, ideological sort of uh, source or base Right. Uh, so, for example, this economic system where you have fiat-based currency like dollar. Dollar yeah. actually was not always fiat-based. I mean, you know, there was a linkage uh, back in the federal, when the Federal Reserve Act was passed in 1913. Until, you know, you, you had uh, one ounce to thirty-five dollars linkage. Um, yeah. uh, but until 1971, when Nixon, uh, you know, removed this uh, yes. link, and from that day onward, uh, you know, the world is running on fiat currencies. Currencies right. are tied to dollars. Yeah. Dollar is not tied to anything. Yes. So Islam, on the other hand, the economic system in Islam is very comprehensive, by the way. You know, this understanding some people carry, unfortunately, in the Muslim world, that Islam is all about, uh, you know, certain prayer rituals yeah. and, you know, uh, certain spiritual aspects of life. Islam has a comprehensive and a detailed economic system. which right. talks about its currency, which right. is on a biometallic standard, like, mm. for example, like gold and silver. Uh, Islam has its own very, uh, uh, very just uh, revenue through uh, collection system, which is nothing like uh, what we have in Pakistan at the moment. It's nothing like GST and nothing right. like income tax and none of these uh, property tax. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, yeah. mean, Islamic tax is not based on wealth and yeah. not income. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 so I, I get that in terms of more distribution uh, as opposed to you know hoarding in terms of the emphasis, right? Uh, and and you know you know uh, understand in terms of you know the taxation or, or system of, of Islam. Fair enough. And and then the gold standard is what you're what you're suggesting. Let, let me also now introduce uh, Usman Zaid, who's our BBC Pakistan producer. Fantastic to have you once again, uh, Usman Zaid, on Friday Night Live, and, and and welcome. Let me let me also open up by asking you two questions if I may. You've probably been hearing uh, you know, our commentator Abu Isra giving his perspective on the Pakistan economy. I don't think it requires Einstein to say we're in a pr pretty dire state. We're looking at alternatives. We're looking at where the problems are. I understand we're not all economic experts, but econ ec economics is not necessarily, you know, it doesn't 
necessarily require you know an aeronautical degree to understand some core economics, right? But also we've got Pakistan Prime Minister going off to to America. I really want to hear your thoughts on on both of these uh, key news story items, uh, Usman Zaid. What are, what are, what are your thoughts and and what's uh, Pakistan uh, Prime Minister Imran Khan up to on on in, in his visit to Washington? They didn't exactly have a fantastic you know uh, w- w- uh, you know exchange of words very early on. Yes, you are right. I mean, basically, the relation Pakistan uh, between Pakistan and U.S. were like almost at a deadlock uh, stage in the uh, last few years, and uh, there's a big hope that uh, this meeting on 22nd of uh, July uh, will, you know, sort of break this ice, and uh, you know, this uh, maybe because America basically they are want this uh, meeting and. Uh, it's mainly focusing on Afghanistan situation in Afghanistan because it's a seven round of talks is going on yeah. uh, now in Doha between uh, Afghan Taliban and uh, and uh, US. So, like uh, US still believes that Pakistan can play a major role, you know, to make these talks result oriented and uh, you know to sign any going into any declaration. Mm. Uh, there's a, always the feel that Pakistan can still play a major role right. to, so, you know, bring these uh, on the ceasefire and everything which is happening in Afghanistan. Right. So, so, so. Osman Zaid, I, I, I hear that, right? Uh, it sounds to me like, right? You know, I feel free to, to, to disagree with me. It feels like that the master is calling its uh, almost, you know, a proxy, you know, a leader in, in Pakistan saying, come, come over to Washington. I need to talk to you. I've got a few jobs for you to do in Afghanistan to help us out in a bit of a bit of a tricky situation. Is it, well, a, is, it a one to, is, is it a one to zero relationship or is it a one to one two way relationship? <laughs> It's, uh, you know, since, since January 2018, when Trump said openly that uh, since last uh, more than a decade, basically after a billion of dollars aid, which is, was uh, resolution support, uh, you know, that was the coalition support fund. After that, aid Pakistan has given nothing but to just, uh, you know... Not doing a damn about, thing. Trump said, Trump said they're not doing yeah. a damn thing. I mean, he, he was quiet. He, he was he was going for a six yeah. with him knocking, hitting him for a six. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. But, but, so, but my, my point is... But one thing we should... Yeah, go on, go on this, man. Right? You're the one expert. One thing I wish uh, go into... Uh, during the, uh, you know, election campaign of uh, Donald Trump and Imran Khan, both they said, like many times, that uh, they will do whatever possible to end the war in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, this, uh, there are people who are comparing both that they have the uh, same approach in different, uh, on different uh, matters. So that's why, I mean, this meeting is seems like important that how Pakistan can, uh, you know, make their point and right. what they going to do about to, to right. feel and make the Americans feel that of how important they are in still in yeah. this situation. All right. So, so, so you are right. I mean, it's uh, no comparison. Yeah. But still, this is, uh, will set the agenda at least for the future. Fine, fine. Okay. You, you know, Abu Sa, let, let me ask you a, a, a bit of a tough question, right? Uh, I understand nations need to work together. I understand as as an international community, we need to have you know bilateral relationships. We need to be on cordial relationships with neighbors. We, you know, with, with all sorts of neighbors here. But really, you know, the 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 message or the understanding or almost the the 
message that's conveyed to, to Pakistanis is that we need, we're in desperate need of America. Without America, we wouldn't be able to sustain ourselves. Right from the days of Musharraf, I remember, you know, we're, you're either with us or you're without us. And we really, we really need, uh, you know, America. Do we really need America? Does Pakistan really need America? Or has it been since we got into bed with Pakistan, we, we've been in, 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 uh, in, in, uh, in all sorts of problems? We, we, we've been in all sorts of problems. I mean, if you look at the recent history from uh, 9-11, uh, year 2001, yeah. uh, Pakistan has been um, a frontline ally of the uh, U.S. and NATO. <clears throat> and this war of terror has caused uh, more than, uh, you would say, 100,000 uh, deaths in Pakistan, including our soldiers, Pakistani army soldiers and civilians. Yeah. We've lost around $350 billion uh, in terms of economic loss. Yeah. Uh, and tens of thousands, in fact, hundreds of thousands plus people um, uh, moved internally displaced and hundreds of thousands of people injured. Right. I, I, so, sorry, I'm going to interject. Sorry, i tell you why I'm interjecting because I've got another panelist and he's only got a few minutes and, and unfortunately I, I need to just kind of prioritize him if you really, you know, just bear with me just for a moment and I'll come back to you on, on, with this question. But okay. I've got I've got Mohammed Atif, Washington-based journalist, right? Uh, so Mohammed Atif, you're, you're in Washington. Imran Khan's coming out there, you know, towards the end of June. Perhaps you may or may not be amongst some of those audiences where you interact interact with Imran Khan, but, but you know, do, do we have this, okay, you know, you're going to, I'm, I'm sure you're going to say that there's a mutual benefit and mutual interest here for Pakistan and America relationship, but I haven't really seen much benefit come out of this relationship with Pakistan, with America from Pakistan's perspective, and it seems to be an almost a, a servant-master relationship. Do you agree or disagree, Muhammad Atif? Um, listen, um, if you're going to call it a servant-master relationship, you're going to have to look at the economic conditions in Pakistan. Yeah. You're going to have to look at international isolation of Pakistan. Mm. So, I mean, is there a way around for Pakistan? No. When it comes to having some say at the international grounds, Pakistan needs strong partners. And those partners, uh, for a very long time, uh, for Pakistan uh, was uh, United States, you know, Pakistan wanted to be in that group, uh, I mean, right from the beginning, because yeah. uh, in, in our region, the other party was Russia, yeah. India, Russia, Iran, and Pakistan chose to be on the American side, which was the right decision, by the way. Yeah. It's just that things didn't work out well, and it, it, no, but like but Muhammad Atif, you say it's the right decision. Uh, I, I'm I'm going I'm going all the way back to Musharraf's time, right? So Musharraf's time, I, I mean, I'm almost almost lost track. Is it 1999 when he came into power? Uh, Musharraf came into power, right? I haven't seen anything, uh, you know, positive for Pakistan since aligning itself and getting in bed with Pakistan to, uh, with with America since 1999, since Musharraf's time. That's a long time to deliver. Well, in in some ways. Um, what you're saying is not right okay. because America has awarded Pakistan with lots and lots of benefits when it comes to Pakistan-U.S. partnership. Okay. That benefit may not be in the monetary, uh, uh, you know, size. But look at look at this in Musharraf's time. There was yeah. a lot of international investment in Pakistan, and l let's just be honest. Yeah. When you want international players to play a role in your economy, to play a role in building your country, America is very important. Yeah. Uh, you cannot get loans if America is not on your side. So yeah. Yeah. The, that partnership benefited Pakistan in mm. many ways. Right. I was there at that time, the time that you're talking about. Right. I've seen Pakistan's consumer market grow. I've seen Pakistan's consumer banking grow. I've right. seen people getting jobs. Okay. It's so unfortunate that after 2007, uh, the economy did not do well because of 
the the you know right. the, the way terrorism picked up in Pakistan and then right right you know, right Mohammed Mo- Mo- fair enough some some valid points okay uh, you've made some valid points what about the, the argument that it needs to be a more of a two way relationship right now I mean how are you going to counter that I mean it seems like okay Pakistan needs to do more in Afghanistan more, Pakistan needs to do more internally there's a you know Abu Isra is giving me figures and fa- facts with regards to how many civilians we've lost the the, the casualty with regards to our economy our job situation and, and everything and you're telling me well you need America as a strong political partner you need America for more loans I don't see that really helping Pakistan but at least unless let's uh, let's be so proponents of a two-way relationship if, if there was if there was terrorism in Afghanistan if there were militant groups in Pakistan if al-qaeda was in Afghanistan if all other militant groups were operating from Afghanistan do you think that was going to help Pakistan hmm. no it hasn't it wasn't and it's not going to help pakistan it's right. better for pakistan to come to the terms with the united states yeah. say what they're doing and yeah. do what they're saying that's yeah. the problem with pakistan's foreign policy because they they were saying something right from musharraf's time they right. were saying something else doing something else the whole world knew Right. Everybody knew that but, but that that's that sounds like that sounds like international politics to me uh Muhammad Atif that's exactly what all of these nations do they say something else and do something else look at America as a fantastic example but last well, question you for you Last question for you, Muhammad Atif. I, I, I know. Tell them we're going to do what we want. Agreed, agreed. Muhammad Atif. I know. Tell them, hey, we're going to do this. Give us yeah. money. No, that's Mu- not going to happen. Okay, Muhammad Atif. Last question for you because I know you're very short on time, and and, and the other panelists are very kindly holding on, right? But what, what would your expectation be for for this visit of Imran Khan on the 22nd of July to Washington, uh, Muhammad Atif? Well, let's just start with BLA being on the terrorist list. Mm. That's a good start before Imran Khan's visit. That's what Pakistan wanted, and that's a good start. It's just because Pakistan is now doing what is expected from Pakistan. Pakistan is pushing Taliban to come to the terms with the United States. Um, very recently, you'd see in the news that Prime Minister Imran Khan is going to meet the leadership of Taliban. Yes. The date and time is not confirmed, but it is going to happen before he comes to the United States. So things are moving in the positive and right directions. Okay. I hope that Pakistanis get out as much as they want to from Imran Khan's visit to the United right. States. And I hope this relationship between the United States and Pakistan gets to better terms. Right, Mohammad Atif, Washington-based journalist. I know you've only got a few minutes. I really appreciate your time and your expertise and it's always great to have you on Friday Night Live. Thank you very much, Mohammad Atif. Sahab. My pleasure. All right, fantastic. That, that was uh, listeners, Mohammad Atif, Washington-based journalist. You know, arguing that the strong case for bilateral and stronger relationship with, with America, uh, and that's the only way forward for Pakistan. My question was, do we really need, you know, a complete? You know, it's almost like we're we're joint, you know, with you know from the, from the hips with with America, and without being joint with the hips with America, we can't sustain ourselves, right? Osman Zaidzab, you you were listening very patiently from Pakistan. I really appreciate that. Some of your, some of your thoughts on on the, on the comments, Mohammed Atif uh, was making if i if i if you if, if you make yes mr atif i i uh, agree with mr atif about this and um, i think this uh, putting bla on this uh, uh, list uh, you know just, just for our listeners uh, bla bla is 
Baloch uh, Liberation Army. Yes. And uh, that was long standing demand by Pakistan and, uh, you know, it's a big diplomatic success for Pakistan and it uh, came just two days before the announcement of the, this uh, Trump meeting. And uh, that's uh, considered like a good start, of course. And okay. another thing which is, uh, I think, uh, helping Pakistan case is that Imran Khan is as... Uh, everyone believes here i mean this uh, it's largely supported by the establishment by the pakistan army yeah. and you know uh, it's very much uh, understood that whatever imran khan is saying that is fully supported by pakistan army yes. and uh, that's why you know the uh, his meeting is considered very important that uh, now whatever the political decision will be that will be fully supported by the establishment and uh, yeah. in terms of international uh, you know afghanistan and uh, with india everything which will be considered as a right. view of it's not just political but overall uh, view which so, every, all the stakeholders agree on it right so 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 once that uh, what else will be on the agenda from imran khan and pakistan's perspective all right so so we've discussed you know of course the situation of what america wants from pakistan in terms of afghanistan right uh, pakistan it seems to have an, an economic problem all the time so it's always expecting economic relief and, and further you know aid from 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 the us what else is going to be on that shopping list for for imran khan when he sees trump so in the current situation as we see the most important thing with happening in the region is is the uh, afghan taliban are are in dialogue with the us that is the most important thing we can see and that we uh, expect that uh, us will ask pakistan to play its uh, you know due role and uh, you know put our effort together to you know make a deal and uh, you know and there's a, a long going war uh, in afghanistan this conflict in mm. afghanistan so that right. is i think going to be first demand by the us and uh, of course pakistan has also demand first of all they are like a big this financial crunch and uh, this economy is uh, going through a very bad uh, phase yeah. so pakistan need definitely some help in terms of fatf which is financial action tax uh, task force uh, meeting in october yeah. and pakistan also taking measures like banning this different proscribed organization and uh, arresting their leadership so that's also being done and uh, just uh, so that pakistan can put off from this gray uh, list because uh, otherwise if the pakistan uh, if these measures are not uh, being taken so there is a fear that uh, pakistan may go on blacklist All which right. is again a big uh, you know uh, impact on economy and uh, you know this international sanctions everything uh, you know we can expect after october meeting right. so pakistan definitely need its economy eco- economic support from us and uh, you know from all international forum hmm. they got imf deal recently like two days yes, ago yes yes but uh, they still need more support and uh, you know and uh, when there was a few months back when we had tense relation tension going on with india right. yes at that time US was not fully supporting Pakistan in terms of you know the uh, economic situation of that right. and uh, it was see like an isolated position yes so that Okay. sort of thing which uh, we need uh, going to be on the high priority this time Ron Khan right fantastic yeah. Us- Usman Zahid Saab uh, BBC Pakistan producer always a, a great privilege to have you on the show uh, thank you very much for your time late in the evening in Pakistan have a lovely weekend uh, and thank you very much for joining us on Friday Night Live Usman Zahid Saab
Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Ryan. Uh, uh, listeners, it is uh, Friday night live, and I've got a couple of minutes remaining. I'm going to go straight on to uh, Brother Isra, who I've kind of, you know, wanted to listen into uh, the comments from uh, from the Washington, you know, based journalist, and also from uh, Brother Usman Zahid, BBC Pakistan producer. Abu Isra, you, you know, again, I really want to appreciate the last couple of minutes we've got to, to wrap up the conversation, right? You've heard the the, the views from Washington, you've heard the views from Pakistan with regards to the Pakistan-American relationship, uh, with regards to the two-way relationship, right? First is your thoughts on, on what you've been hearing. Is it pretty much more of the same as it is currently, or have you heard anything new in there? Oh, no, absolutely nothing new at all. Uh, in, uh, in fact, it was really disappointing to hear the views from Washington and, and Pakistan. I mean, you know, extremely defeatist kind of uh, sentiments coming from both sides. Extremely uh, uh, defeatist? What, what, what do you mean? Defeatist in terms of the relationship we're talking about, a master-slave relation between the U.S. and Pakistan. Pakistan needs to, it's, it's time now we realize our own, uh, you know, uh, strength and uh, who we are. I mean, Pakistan... And in the region, we, we, you know, we are a country of 220 million people. I mean, you know, uh, so and with with nuclear weapon and a very powerful army, mashallah, and alhamdulillah, many other resources. So, so all we need now need to do is uh, to look at the way we have done, uh, you know, uh, so uh, take taken this journey of 71 years. We've tried all these systems, the capitalism, uh, liberalism, capitalism, under the guise of uh, presidential or parliamentary or dictatorship. We've tried all that. Yeah. It's time that Muslims come back to for what this country was, uh, you know, uh, we're taken for or created for in the name of Islam. It, so, Alhamdulillah, Islam gives us, uh, you know, detailed set of solutions when it comes to economy. Right. And, uh, you know, if you, if you give us an opportunity again, maybe we can discuss economy in detail in terms yeah. of Islam solutions. But, no. you know... Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. No. No. Abu Isra, if if I, if I if the producers hadn't given me your background, I would have thought I'm speaking to Ertugul. I mean, you know, for those of us that are familiar with this kind of the the the, the, the series, right? I mean, you, you you sound and you 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 pitch a fantastic kind of a vision, right? That the the people of Pakistan need to have a vision. They need to have this, you know, a vision of self reliance. You know, they've got you know the, the agriculture, they've got the core resources, they've got the manpower. But the argument that I keep hearing is that we do have a dependency. We do need help. We need these loans. We need, you know, financial assistance, uh, political strong, you know, political support because we've got these, you know, enemy, you know, not enemies, but we've got these very, yeah, you can say enemy, almost, you know, neighbors, right? That, you know, you know, we, we, we saw the recent skirmishes and the conflicts, right? Don't you think we'll be in a lot more of a vulnerable situation and a position without the, the kind of an American kind of, a, you know, a seal of approval? Look, with their seal of approval, what what have we achieved? I was giving you some statistics, and I told you we have lost three hundred billion, uh, three hundred fifty billion dollars in economic loss, hundred thousand plus of our, our, our lives, including our soldiers. Uh, and, you know, with their seal of approval, what have we achieved? We mm-hmm. have we we have gone from worse to you know bad to worse. It is time that we return to Islam, have our confidence in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. We are Muslims, right. you know, and you know, have confidence that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given us solutions. Uh, for for this uh, for the country like Pakistan or the region, including Afghanistan, Bangladesh. I mean, you know, we, we are the Muslims of this region and the Middle East. We are all all one ummah. Mm. I mean, you know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created us as one ummah. Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam called us one body. 
I mean, you know, we have our own solutions. Right. I mean, when will we turn to these solutions? Right. I mean, you know. If if I had more time, I would love to explore the the Medina model that Imran Khan has been discussing and to see how much of that has he implemented and how far has he in fact gone away from the Medina model. But you know what I'm about to say, Abu Isra, that unfortunately I'm about to go into another commercial break, which means it's end of the hour. You were supposed to be, I would guess, for, for half an hour and you very kindly extended it to throughout the whole first hour. And I really appreciate your time, Abu Isra. It's been great talking to you and great to have you on Friday Night Live once again. Thank you very much You're for your welcome time. welcome to All right, uh, listeners, that was Abu Isra, political commentator, very passionate uh, with regards to having his opinions and views uh, and analysis on Pakistan. I mean, it's interesting to hear a contrast and, and it's fantastic. Walden produ- uh, production team again on Friday Night Live. We've had views from Washington, uh, views from Pakistan and views from the UK, all sharing a keen interest in the political and economic direction of Pakistan. Fantastic. But I tell you who hasn't shared their views on Pakistan is you, our listeners, right? You, our listeners, 01582 418 I'm going to go into a commercial break. You're more than welcome to come back and share your thoughts with me. I'm going to go into a commercial break. Don't go away. I'll be back to discuss Palestine. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to Friday Night Live with me Hafiz Shaban on the, on, on the Friday the 5th of July. A uh, fantastic day, uh, lovely weather out there. I hope you are really enjoying the weather. Uh, we are of course broadcasting live from the Inspire FM studios uh, from good old Luton uh, on uh, 105.1 FM frequency and also broadcasting live to our sister stations nationally and internationally via our Inspire FM app and also via the good old Facebook live stream. Uh, tune in, uh, join in today's discussion 01582481822 is the number here in studio 01582481822 uh, 0779-0779-481822 0779-481822 is the message here in the studio for your social media messages which includes WhatsApp and it also includes SMS messages. Now that I talk about SMS messages, I've just seen a message which says hello, uh, but nothing more than that. So I guess it's not targeted for me. Uh, but you know, we've had a passionate discussion in the first hour where we were discussing Pakistan economy and the political situation and Imran Khan's visit to Washington later this month. And uh, and it was a fantastic team again that the, that the team here Inspire lined up. We had views from Washington views from Pakistan and we had views from uh, the UK right but I haven't had any views from my listeners right and I want to really hear from my listeners if you've got any views 01582481822 I am going to move on to my next uh, topic this evening and it's another political topic uh, this evening and it's, it's again a passionate topic a passionate topic for a lot of us right uh, but I'm afraid I don't think a lot of us will probably be familiar and aware of the details of what's been happening last week and we're going to be here trying to inform you we're going to be speaking to some experts to get their views on what's happening behind the scenes a lot of this stuff happens behind the scenes and then suddenly you hear about it at a very late stage right what i'm actually talking about is palestine 
Now, Palestine is probably a topic a lot of you have probably got the same feelings with regards to as you probably have with regards to Bangladesh or Pakistan uh, or, or India or wherever, you know, a lot of us may, you know, affiliate ourselves with a lot of us, a lot of our listeners have, F, F, uh, have the ethnicity, you know, are ethnically back from the Asian subcontinent and we have a lot of passion with regards to our kind of countries that we associate with us, you know, back home, as we do with regards to Palestine. Now, Palestine being the subject matter of discussion last week, it's been discussed under uh, an economic Bahrain conference, a a so-called deal of the century. Some have termed it, well, of course, the Americans have termed it the deal of the century. Some of us, some some people and some commentators are talking about the steel of the century, right? So, let not me put words into anyone's mouth. Let's speak to some experts. We've got Chloe Benoit, hopefully I've said the name correctly, who's the news editor and writer for the Middle East Eye. Uh, welcome to Friday Night Live, uh, Chloe. Uh, and we're talking about this Bahrain conference discussing Palestine. We're not talking about the political situation and a political agreement. We're talking about an economic, uh, you know, pros- uh, you know, prospectus, right? And we're discussing what the Americans are coining as the deal of the century. And a lot of commentators are talking about the steel of the century. Which one is it? Um, Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, First off, I think it's important to mention that um, even though Trump is known for making very uh, extravagant statements, this is actually the deal of the century is a very colloquial term that um, the American administration actually doesn't use. Um, The economic portion of the plan that was released uh, um, last week is actually entitled Peace to Prosperity. Um, And... uh, yeah, and that very much kind of summarizes their view of uh, how the issue of Palestine um, and the occupation can be solved, basically assuming that peace and prosperity are one mm. and the same. Yeah, um, I, I mean, and, it seems uh, a bit strange, doesn't yeah. it, Chloe? We're talking about peace to prosperity, but we're not discussing peace. We're just discussing prosperity. And even then, the question is out there with the jury, is it prosperity for the Americans and for the multinationals and for the other, you know, states or is it actually for the the poor Palestinians here? Um, That's a great question. Um, One thing's for sure is that um, the the numbers have been put out on this plan. So this Mm. economic plan is hoping to raise $50 billion. Um, But really when you look at uh, kind of the details of the plan, only uh, $27 billion, uh, so slightly more than half, are actually dedicated to the occupied Palestinian territories. Mm. And the remainder of the money is um, meant to go to neighboring countries, namely Egypt, Jordan, and Lebanon, uh, not all of whom have actually uh, supported the plan. In fact, Lebanon outright rejected it. Yeah. Um, and, and a large, yeah, and a large portion of the money that is allocated to these neighboring countries, um, it's very hard to see how it would, in fact, benefit Palestinians right. in any way. The, the, all right. So, so I'm, 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 I can be a bit of a pessimist, uh, Chloe. So, if you need to, you know, correct <laughs> me, you know, feel free to correct me when it comes to at least, uh, you know, a peace to prosperity being, you know, okay, let's use those terms, being brandished by Gerard Kushner, uh, the son-in-law of the U.S. President Donald. 
Donald Trump with regards to Palestine. I mean, you know, you know what, you know, you know, a lot, lot of our listeners might not necessarily be, you know, have the background. So let's give them a bit of background, layman's terms. What is happening? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is we're discussing, well, the Americans are proposing to discuss Palestine, the Palestinian issue, without discussing the political, you know, solution or a proposed mm. solution, right? But instead, I want to focus mm. on economics with Palestine without addressing the, the you know, the, the occupation, without addressing Jerusalem, without addressing the current, you know, sanctions and, and almost the isolation of, of Gaza at the moment, and without addressing a lot of the key political issues, which is the refugees and, and the Palestinians around the world and all the settlements, but they want to discuss economics instead. Have I kind of summarized that in a, in a, in a fair, fair way? Um, exactly. Um, mm. the, the Trump administration has been kind of touting this plan for a really long time now and um, delaying its release um, until um, this, this workshop, actually. It was meant to be a conference and it was actually downgraded to a workshop, um, seeing how uh, Palestinians have categorically rejected it. Mm. Um, so this, the part of the plan that we do know is economic, but as you mentioned, um, it very much acts or as if um, economy, the Palestinian economy and financial matters are completely divorced um, from political issues. Um, so there's a lot of talk on about the high rates of poverty and unemployment and uh, problems with infrastructure, for example, in Palestine. Uh, but at no point in 136 pages mm. uh, does it even hint as to what might be the causes yeah. uh, of these economic difficulties when yeah. the, the general and the international consensus is very much that the occupation yeah. plays a large role in Palestine's econo- economy being in such a bad state. Yeah, you, you you know I'm I'm not a very sophisticated individual unfortunately, <laughs> but you know you know if I was looking at it just as, as a layman, it almost seems like a it's almost like a financial bribe being put on the table. Hey, chaps, you know you you address the the the, the refugees that are in your in your countries, and you know we're gonna we're gonna give you twenty billion right to, to come onto the table uh, and, and 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 agree to this, and, and and let's let's give a bit of a sniffle to the to the Palestinians here. Here's a bit of bit of money can we bribe them with these gold bags right you know back in the days it was a gold bags but you know it's a bit more than a few you know mm. bars of gold here but in essence that's what it's appearing to me right i'm uh, like i said I'm, I'm not that sophisticated mm. you might tell me chloe correct me if i'm wrong it's a bit more complicated than that but that's what it appears to me um, I mean, to be honest, I think for people who have been following uh, what the Trump administration has been doing with regards to Israel and Palestine for the past two years, yeah. um, reading the economic um, chapter, coming in with very low expectations, mm. um, quite candidly, I, I was surprised at how um, very it, it somehow managed to uh, be even less sophisticated than what I had expected it to be. Um, it, I, I think, um, it really, this plan really shows how Trump's background as, uh, you know, a businessman and Jared Kushner's, uh, experience as a kind of real estate, um, uh, professional, it, it really, it shows through in the sense that this plan just seems very much to, for them to be a business transaction. Yeah. Um, hmm. in fact, um, at, at some point the plan actually, um, 
refers to Palestinians as the customers of a Palestinian government. Are you, are you serious? Uh, yeah. Customers. There's a, there's a section. Huh. Yes. Um, which shows very much what the their um their the thinking right? is. They mm, do, incredible. yeah, they do think that um, if you throw money at the problem, then that will solve it. Mm. And um, I think they are banking on the fact that um, the, the Palestinian leadership is very strapped for cash, yeah. in part mm. due to uh, the economic measures taken by the Trump administration. Yeah. Um, and and perhaps you hope to use that as leverage um, to 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 gain any sort of uh, concession. Um, but I think that's a thorough misunderstanding of what Palestinians after Palestinian aspirations are all about. Mm, mm. It, it definitely does sound like. Uh, of course, I mean, I, I, how can we forget Donald Trump is the 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 real estate tycoon with his Trump towers, and I guess his son-in-law hand in hand. I've got this fantastic so-called uh, proposal to to build these skyscrapers and these and and these Trump you know towers oh. in Palestine on the, along the Mediterranean coast, and and that's the solution for so-called Palestine, right? But but let, let me also go on to uh, have we got have we got professor i think we've also got another another guest professor kamal hawash who is a, a british palestinian engineering academic based at the university of birmingham again again another writer for middle east i also okay we're, we're about to get it get get him live so so before we do get on get him on to live what about chloe with regards to your your views and, and your kind of following on the on, on this current journey and okay um, whether how, how how genuine or disingenuous is America and the American ability to get a solution to the Palestinian problem right uh, versus what some of the commentators are writing and political analysts are writing a failed two-state uh, you know strategy a two a failed two-state strategy and now the current kind of uh, you know writing on the wall uh, and, and, and 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 I remember I'll Jazeera was quoted of saying to uh, with regards to Trump I'm looking at two states and a one state option and I like one that both parties like alluding to a, a one state solution here right what are your thoughts on, on on this two state versus one state solution and is America genuine or disingenuous in, in being able to achieve this um I mean, I think uh, the point that's been made by Trump that, and, and Kushner as well, that they would be happy with whatever solution the two sides agree to. I, I think in, in some ways um, they are aware that, that they know that the Palestinians won't, will never accept this plan because, quite frankly, um, I, it, it is made by people who uncritically subscribe to a far-right pro-Israeli view. Mm. Um, and uh, so I, I believe in that sense, um, well, I would like to believe that they are aware that this plan is pretty much dead on arrival. Um, but by putting it out there, um, no matter how ridiculous um, it might be, they can then blame the Palestinians for uh, not coming to negotiating table. Right, right. But I, I, think, I, I think this plan is... Uh, as it stands, won't lead to negotiations, won't lead to an agreement. Um, there, but um, I, I think it's also worth pointing out that the, without an agreement taking place, the Trump administration has been 
taking steps regardless that do set the stage for, you know, Israel right. kind of cementing its control of uh, of a variety of issues. Yeah, yeah. All right. So so we, we do have now Professor Kamal. Uh, Chloe, thank you very much. If I can just ask you to hold for just a couple of moments, if if, if you are able to, be great. Uh, Professor, we have Kam- Professor Kamal Hawash, right? Uh, again, uh, based, academic based at the University of Birmingham. Uh, Professor Kamal, firstly, thank you very much for your time and joining us on Friday Night Live. We are, of course, discussing this um, in a Peace for Prosperity Economic Conference happening in Bahrain, you know, supported by, not surprisingly, by the Saudi Crown Prince. Uh, you know, Krushan has been to meet Erdogan in Ankara on the 27th of April to discuss. You know, he's been meeting with the Arab leaders around the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Oman, all seem to be supporting this initiative. Not very, you know, optimistic in terms of the, the Palestinians themselves. I'm afraid, you know, that these, you know, leaders might be able to corner the Palestinian you know, at least in terms of the uh, the representative organisations, into kind of coming to the table and accepting some piecemeal elements of disagreement. What what, what are your thoughts on on, on that, uh, Professor? Uh, thank you for having me. I, I think uh, the, the point has to be that without justice, there will be no peace in the Holy Land. Uh, justice means uh, the Palestinians realizing their rights. What they are asking for is justice, freedom, and equality, and uh, certainly independence in their own homeland. And that is not a lot to ask for, uh, but that is com- completely against uh, the ideology of Zionism, and that is what they're fighting against. Right. So, so prof- all this discussion, yeah. all this discussion about Kushner and mm. uh, uh, and Greenblatt and the others. What 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 is their agenda? Mm. Uh, and I mean, watching them over the last two years, the, the agenda is very clear. It is one. There is no recognition of any Palestinian rights. The Palestinians have no rights. It is about what crumbs Israel will give them. And from the point of view of the three key players in the American administration, of course, Trump is the fourth, but the three key players, uh, Jason Greenblatt, who is his negotiation advisor, uh, Jared Kushner, who you've, you've been talking about, I believe, who is his son-in-law and, and, and the sort of strategist for this uh, deal, uh, but also uh, uh, the, the U.S. ambassador to Israel, David uh, Friedman. Uh, all three of them are committed to Zionism. They are not committed to peace. What that means is uh, their ultimate aim is to support the creation, the continuation of a a state for Jews, at least in Palestine. And I say at least because Zionism doesn't particularly have uh, a a boundary within which it it thinks there should be a a Jewish homeland. And as far as they're concerned, the existence of the Palestinians in their homeland, in Palestine, is an inconvenience. So what they are trying to do is to see what way they can muster to get the Palestinians to accept surrender. And by that I mean for the Palestinians to put their signature to a document which says, we have no rights, but we want to stay here, please, if you you will allow us to. Uh, and and mm. uh, what all we need is is a bit of uh, you know a bit a better salary mm. uh, maybe to have fewer uh, checkpoints but we accept that's what mm. they want the Palestinians to say we accept this is Israel's land right. this isn't ours 
we just happen to be here. Right, but Professor Kamal, let, let me put a, a situation to you, right? So we've seen now the current situation in Gaza. I mean, I, I can't even remember how many years it's been, right? Uh, we've seen what's happened. We're seeing a stalemate for a very long time internally within Palestine. We're seeing the Fatah organization, the PLO, you know, the Hamas, etc. You know, okay, they've come to some kind of a reconciliation recently, right? So we're not we're seeing any move uh, progress in, in that direction. We're seeing the, the GCC nations and the other so-called Arab Islamic nations not really coming out and supporting the Palestinian cause at the moment. Like I said, they're more in the Krishna's bed at the moment and his agenda than anywhere else. And now we've finally got the Americans putting on this money on the table, putting on a better house, a better job, a better salary, a better standard of living potentially if you come to the table. Can you see what I'm saying? If all the other options are running out, is it the case the more we make them wait, ultimately they're going to say we haven't got an option? Well, no, because at the end of the day, uh, a people don't forget this is this this conflict has been going on for over seventy years. Yeah, and the Palestinians haven't tired yet of mm. claiming and uh, claiming their rights, and they won't. Mm. Uh, what they are desperate for, the Americans and the Israelis, is the signature of a Palestinian leader mm. on a surrender agreement. In fact, they might as well uh, send an empty piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, to Mahmoud Abbas and say, sign at the bottom, and then they can write in what they think yeah. uh, is, is is acceptable. So. It, it, it may seem oh, there, there is absolutely no prospect of the Palestinians signing a deal in which they surrender. And that is what Israel wants. And that is what these three settler ambassadors that yeah. I spoke about, they are ambassadors for the settlers, not for the United States. Yeah. The, the, their heart is in Zionism, not in the But, but the problem, the Professor States. Kamal, the problem... And before, yeah. if, I, if I may just clarify, yeah, yeah, yeah. people will, will say, you know, you're accusing people of dual loyalty. I'm not. They no. only have loyalty to Zionism. They don't have loyalty to but, but Professor now, Kamal, the counter-argument is that at least they have a loyalty. I mean, you, 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 the problem is that there's no one to represent the Palestinian cause. You got the, the Saudis, you got the uh, Emiratis, you got the Bahrainis, the Omanis, but, but all normalizing Kuwaitis, all normalizing relationship with Israel. You got Palestine, you got the Turkish doing the same, you got Egyptians doing the same, Jordanians. You, we're leaving the Palestinians almost to themselves and a couple of NGOs supporting their case, right? Now, I hear what you're saying on justice and I completely understand that, right? But you've got the likes of Mahmoud Abbas who have previously agreed to pretty much you know, that, that empty piece of paper that you're telling me, right? So the Palestinian cause, I, I understand the spirit of the people. The spirit of the people and the, pe the people of Sham is undoubted. We can't, und there's no doubts about it. But what I'm saying is, when is it going to be enough is enough? Because, you know, the Palestinian the people are going to run out of options and any support and, and, and aid is around them. You, do you see where I'm coming from? Well, you, you don't know the Palestinian people then. Right. You know, just, with, with the greatest respect. As I said, they have been uh, resisting, they have existed. They could have left the whole, you know, those yeah. who remained after 1948 could have left yeah. many, many years ago, yeah. but they yeah. haven't. Right. Why is that? It's because they believe in their rights. We don't just believe as Palestinians in uh, 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 economic prosperity for those yeah. who live inside Palestine. Yeah. We believe very strongly and firmly in the return of the refugees from Lebanon, from yes. Syria, from yes. Jordan, yes. from other places. Now, you won't find a Palestinian who will say, uh, uh, I'm happy to say, you know, we don't want these those in Lebanon to stay there but to be settled. We don't want those in Jordan to, to, to come back and let them be mm. settled. Mm. This is for the longer. And if you want 
um, you know, I don't want to use the, the example of, of how Israel came about, but they claimed the land yes. after 2,000 years. Yes. Okay? Yes. Now, does anyone really believe the Palestinians are going to give it up after yes. 70 years? Well, of course they won. Fantastic. Now, we go back to the issue of prosperity, yeah. because that was the, the, the part of your question. Don't yes. they want just to live a better life? Yes. Of course they do. Yes. And they deserve to better a, a better life. Yeah. And they made concessions. The Palestinian leadership agreed to a state on only 22 percent of historic Palestine. But can I, can I, Professor Kamal, 22 percent of the historic Palestine, correct? Yeah. Right. But now let me ask you a question. You earlier cited justice. Now, if your land has been taken, right, surely justice is, I want my land back. If you take my house and then you offer me 22 percent, sorry, I'm not interested in 22 percent. I want my house back, right? So how can you say on the one hand, Palestinians want justice, and on the other hand, you're saying we're going to give you concessions at the same time, give me 22 percent back? Does it make well, sense to me? All, uh, you, you didn't let me finish. All oh, right, sentence. sorry. The, the leadership. Right. There's a difference between oh, okay. the Palestinian people Good. and the leadership. Right. But even then, even then, the leadership has made what is an amazing concession, should be seen by everyone, right. of saying, okay, we'll accept the state of 22, of, on 22% of the land. That's what right. I'm what I meant. Right. Every Palestinian wants to return to the home in Yaffa, in Haifa, yes. wherever they were expelled from. Yes. But then let's find the political solution that delivers that yes. peacefully. Yes. Okay? Yes. So that's what I'm talking about. What right. I was trying to indicate is yes. for Israel, even right. conceding 78% yeah, yeah. of their homeland by the leadership isn't enough. Right. Professor Kamal, I have, to, I have to interject yeah. because we're going we're gonna to go into a commercial break, right? So I, I, need okay. to ta- I, I need to take a, a final question from Chloe. And if you can very kindly, I don't know if you've got time, if you can hold on for a couple of minutes, we'll come back. I, I've got a couple more questions okay. for you. Is that, is that okay? So, so, so Chloe, very quickly, you've got almost 45 seconds. Okay. Where do you see you know, you know. Where, where do you see us going next from from, from here? Because you 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 know that this is a plan is going to be rejected outrightly from a lot of the key stakeholders. How do we get this Palestinian problem, in your expert opinion, resolved? Uh, <laughs> Big question. Sorry. You yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, I think as long as Trump is president and no other country uh, worldwide actually steps in to provide a uh, realistic, um, fair solution, yeah. then we're at a stalemate. Um, I don't see anything else happening. All right. Uh, Chloe, that's a a very succinct answer (laughs) within the time frame that I gave you, right? Uh, And and I really appreciate your time, Chloe uh, Benoit uh, from... uh, Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. And Professor Kamal, uh, you know, uh, I would really appreciate if you can just hold on a couple of minutes. Uh, We're going to go into a commercial break. I want to come back and I've got a couple of more questions for you and for for our listeners, just in terms of what is the situation in Palestine at the moment. It would really be informative and I really appreciate your your, your patience and holding on for, uh, for us. All right, fantastic. Thank you very much professor kamal uh, listeners we are going to go into a commercial break in 10 seconds uh, when we come back a couple of more questions for professor kamal we are discussing palestine uh, so i really want to hear from your from your thought your thoughts and any questions that you've got for professor kamal we're going to be back in a couple of minutes until then don't go away you're listening to an inspire fm podcast making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to Friday Night Live. Uh, Friday the 5th of July, a lovely Friday evening, lovely temperatures out there and I really do hope inshallah that you, our listeners, have a lovely weekend up ahead, right? Uh, this is Inspire FM. We are broadcasting from Luton and uh, I'm Hafi Shaban on 105.1 FM. 01582481822. Uh, 0779481822 is the number here in the studio. And wow, it's already the last half an hour of the show. One and a half hours has already gone by so quickly. Uh, and the last half an hour, we've been discussing uh, Pal- we've been discussing Palestine. Now, even though Palestine not necessarily has been making headlines in the in in the mainstream news, right? So it hasn't been making headlines in the mainstream news outlets. But nevertheless, Palestine and the Palestinian issue has been discussed in Bahrain in a number of the corridor, you know corridors of of governments over the last couple of weeks, which has culminated in this economic conference, right? Which the Americans have termed peace to prosperity, right? So before uh, we went into a commercial break, we were discussing with a number of experts, right? So they're the experts. I'm not the expert. We've been discussing with Chloe uh, Benoit, who's uh, you know an editor and writer for a Middle East and I, uh, you know, news. Uh, and we've been discussing with Professor Kamal, who I very kindly requested to kindly hold on whilst we went into commercial break, and he has fantastically agreed. Very generous of him to agree to hold on, and he, of course, is. Uh, linked to the University of Birmingham, an academic, uh, professional uh, engineering in terms of background and also, of course, a passionate writer for Middle East. And I didn't ask the professor, but the professor may be Palestinian himself. I will ask him when I go back to Professor Kamal in in, a, in in just a few seconds, right? But the background to this is, of course, as I said, the Bahrain Economic Conference been happening last week. Uh, a lot of the commentators have completely dismissed it. Uh, Chloe wasn't very optimistic optimistic i'm 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 generally optimistic but not very optimistic when it's kushner and trump discussing uh, palestine and a so-called peace process for for palestine where there isn't much of a, a peace process at all being unraveled uh, there's no political uh, process being discussed or a plan being discussed it's rather what appeared to me as an almost an economic bribe that's being put on the table uh, and, and uh, you know supported by these gulf nations right which it doesn't surprise me at all uh, so let me go back to professor kamal uh, professor kamal assalamu alaikum and welcome back and thank you very much for holding on uh, uh, you know, I didn't ask you if you were Palestinian. I I I, I don't know if you are. Uh, maybe you can comment if you are uh, Palestinian in terms of background yourself, uh, brother. Uh, but also, you know, you know, almost when I was reading this, right, it almost appeared to me like a financial bribe, right? So I I I don't know to what extent you followed the this uh, economic conference last week. It hasn't got much uh, hope uh, from a lot of the commentators that I've read. Uh, you know, and, and you were giving me your, your perspective in terms of, of course, the Palestinian wanting justice, right? I think that's where we kind of left it off uh, you know over to you professor thank you yes uh, i am palestinian both okay. of my parents were born in jerusalem before right. israel was created oh, okay okay uh, so my yeah, i mean just to illustrate the injustice my father died here in the uk uh, nearly 20 years ago and i wasn't able to take him to be buried in palestine whereas uh, a jew who dies anywhere Right. can say to Israel, I want to be buried in Jerusalem. And that, that just illustrates the justice. Uh, uh, my mother is with incredible. me here in, in Birmingham, and I know that peace will come to the Holy Land if my 
mother is able to go and live in Jerusalem uh, without any restriction. So that's ultimately what will bring peace, is right. if Palestinians, the people whose land it is, were able to go back. Yeah. Uh, talking about bribery and so on, I mean, first of all, your listeners would be interested to know, if they don't already, that the United States gives Israel $3 billion a year. Wow. Three, like three billion? Three billion a year yeah. over a ten-year period. That's thirty billion. Wow! No strings attached. Now that means, and it's particularly related to defense. So, if you give a country thirty billion dollars, you have some leverage over it, or yeah. you should. Yeah. You should be saying, we will only give you this money if you genuinely negotiate a peace deal and end the occupation uh, and so on. Nine. Instead, what mm. they do is. On the one side, so this is what I meant by the commitment to, to the ideology that brought yeah. Israel to Palestine. No. On the other side, you say, well, look, uh, you, you, you can't have a, uh, a Palestinian state. We don't believe in a two-state solution. Mm. Uh, you can't have a capital in Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, we're going to change your designation as refugees to non-refugees. You've got to be yeah. settled where you are. Yeah. And then we're going to give you some money to make you feel a bit better. Mm. So that's the failure in the logic. Uh, but it's not a failure because these guys, not only because they're novices, because they are, yeah. but it's because their commitment is not to peace, but to Israel. And I think but, I have but, to keep but, on emphasizing yeah. that. But, but, but that you is, see, Professor Kamal, everything. yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, I hear you, right? And, and these guys are not, you know, you know, they're not insane, right? They're very shrewd individuals. They're politicians, very cunning. They're, they're, they're business. They're, they're business. Sorry. First of all, they are not politicians. Okay. The three For, people I mentioned to you, just just so your listeners can also okay. understand. Right. One of them was a lawyer for Trump. Yeah. Never been in politics. Okay. Jason Greenblatt. His son-in-law. Uh, has never been in politics yeah. and he suddenly became an advisor on politics I, exactly I mean, I mean that, that, that's my point I mean, I mean I'm not going to I'm not going to do a, you know, an analysis of their CV and, I, and tell you I don't find them any, uh, any more intelligent than you probably do Professor Kamal but what I'm saying is that, that that's no, what no, their whole their, their whole political uh, positions now my, my point to you is they have their political ideology which you're outlining and they yeah. are proponents and they are advocates of their political ideology now let me quote to you from Trump, right? Okay, yeah. and he says, I am looking at two states and one state. Now, the reality is, right, Professor Kamal, and this is where I was going to your point of justice, right? Because the reality is the two-state solution has been discussed for decades, right? And the, the Americans, for you know, we, we can discuss the, the analysis and the political commentary. They haven't been able to get a two-state solution for whatever reason, right? And now what is being discussed is a one-state solution, right? Which is Israel as a state and the Palestinians living under Israel. Now, when I say to you justice, right, and I say to you justice, and then you talk to me about a two-state solution, I'm going to be a bit bold and I'm going to ask you a question. Why can't you, as Palestinians, as Muslims, say, we also believe in a one-state solution, but we believe in a one-state solution, which is Palestine and with the Jewish community, the Christian community, living side by side as they historically did for thousands of years? Well, first of all, again, I didn't say I was firstly for a two-state solution. I was mm. explaining to you about the leadership. Yep. I'm not part of the leadership. Yep, yep. I am actually, I'll tell you what I'm for. I am for the return of the refugees, whether it's into one state, two states, or 50 states. Mm. I am not 
worried. That's what I meant earlier when I said it, we should find a political solution mm. to bring justice, not a solution to suit Israel first. Yeah. It has to be one to, to, to bring justice. Palestinians believe in returning to their homes. Those uh, who go have been marching for the last uh, uh, 60 weeks or so uh, to, the, to the Gaza fence are, are refugees from villages and towns in what is now Israel, and all they want is to return to their home. I'll give you an example. There's a, 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 a border area to the uh, Palestine, to, to Gaza yeah. called Sedrot. You may yeah. have heard of this. So this is where the Israelis always take dignitaries to show them the rockets that have yes. been fired. Yeah, and yeah. Yes. Now that is is built on the land of a village that was ethnically cleansed called Najd. So mm. the people of Najd now live in Gaza and all they want is to return to Najd. Mm. That's what we need by justice. Right. And the assumption made by the pro-Israelis that all the Palestinians want to go to do is not to go back to their homes, but to go and throw the, the Israeli Jews into the sea is completely false. Right, right. Uh, uh, Jews were safest in the Middle East right. until Israel was created. Right. We live as Palestinian Jews, Christians, Correct. and uh, yes. Muslims. Yes. Uh, until Israel was created, and that is what. Created I, I mean, the you, you see, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not a Palestinian uh, brother, right? But uh, you know, I I would you know, and I've been to Palestine a number of times, uh, but Palestine is as close to my heart as as, as the Haram of Mecca is, right, or, or Medina al Munawwara is, right? Uh, and my point here is the track record of the Muslims ruling Palestine and Christians and Jews living in harmony and under Islamic rule is far better track record than what we're seeing over the last 50, 60 years, where there's been absolute chaos and we can't live side by side. Why can't we live side by side? Why can't we live under justice? And I think that has to be a very strong argument. Look at my track record. If I was going to employ you, Professor Kamal, I would look at your track record and I would say, let me see your track record. Let me see how well you can do your job on how well your, your, your academics or your, your skill sets are. And if I see a system where people have lived side by side for thousands of years, equitably, justly, rights represented, to me, that's a justice a just system. And a system where, you know, you're just ethnically cleansed, literally, you know, kicked out, you know, and you create millions of refugees around the world, to me, isn't is a very just system at all. But anyway, that's that's my my view as an individual. But let me ask you, Professor Kamal, I haven't spoke, you know, I haven't, you know, recently read, what is the latest situation on the ground in Palestine? Why don't you bring our listeners up to date with what is actually happening on the ground at the moment with regards to Gaza? And also, I would be interested to hear, you know, with regards to the political wings of in Palestine at the moment, where does Mahmoud Abbas say? Where does the Fatah say? Where does the Hamas say? You, you know, where is all of that? Is there reconciliation sure. between these organisations? Sure. Very, very briefly, if you may. So, sure. So uh, there are lots of different areas. So mm. still under siege, nearly twelve years on. Uh, Israel controls everything that goes in and comes out. Every Friday, the, the Palestinians march to the fence, and I'm not using the word border because Israel has no border. They march to the fence and they want to return. So that's in terms of Gaza. Gaza is ruled by Hamas. Uh, if you go to the West Bank, the West Bank is ruled by Fatah, and uh, the, the situation there is different 
different in the sense that the Israeli settlements are within the West Bank rather than with Gaza. There are no settlements inside Gaza. Uh, so uh, West Bank ruled by Fatah, Gaza ruled by, by Hamas. Right. Uh, the, at the moment, prospects for reconciliation, although everyone says we should bring the two sides together, right. are not working. Right, There's right. also inside Israel... Very quickly, Professor Kamal, yeah. yeah. 20% of the population are Palestinian Israeli citizens, but they're discriminated against. Yeah. And then you have the refugees outside, who particularly in Syria have right. been moved on yet again to refugee camps in other countries. Right. So the situation is desperate, but what is absolutely not changing is the determination of the Palestinians to realize their rights, however right. long it takes. Fantastic. Professor Kamal, you know, it's been an honor to have you on Friday Night Live and, and great to have your time and your expertise in, you know, really educating myself and, and our listeners with regards to uh, the, the current attitudes, the Palestinian cause and, and what is the definition of justice and your views on with regards to the American initiative, so-called initiative for peace to prosperity in Bahrain. Thank you very much, Professor, Professor Kamal. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Right, listeners, that was uh, Professor Kamal. Uh, and it was, like I said, fantastic having Professor Kamal on uh, on, on, on the air. Uh, great to discuss, uh, you know, what's happening in Palestine. Great to discuss, you know, I mean, of course, he's, 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 he's from Palestine himself. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's always, you know, sad and also inspiring at the same time when you discuss with and meet people from, from Palestine and hear their stories. But we have to move on, unfortunately, uh, to the next story. And I've, I believe I've got Catherine Rowett, uh, Dr. Catherine Rowett from the Green Party MEP East of England. Is that correct, uh, Dr. Catherine? Yes, hello. Good evening. Uh, fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Catherine. I, I believe I lost you earlier on. Yeah, uh, so that's apologies right. for that. Uh, great to have you back on Friday Night Live. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Uh, I've got a bit of a strange headline here. A bit of a, uh, there's been some demonstration yes. happening at the European Parliament. Tell, tell us what's been happening. Okay, so we've been in Strasbourg for the opening ceremonies and first votes of the European Parliament. Uh, so I guess that you're um, thinking about the uh, events on the first day when we had the um, the Ode to Joy anthem uh, yes, in the opening yes. ceremony. Right. Um, and uh, people have been talking about the fact that the Brexit Party people all turned their backs during the anthem when the rest of us were standing up. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you, so you were one of those who turned your back on, on this national anthem that was not national anthem, but the anthem that was being played in the inaugural in, inaugural new session. Was it of the of the? Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. So the, when Parliament? when they first opened the inaugural right. new session, right. they play this thing. Uh, so it's interesting. You say uh, you know national anthem. So um, I heard one of the Tory. Um, MEPs saying, well, he sits down for it because he doesn't think that it should be a national anthem. It's a piece of classical music. Yeah. Um, and the, I think the Brexit Party people think of it as a national anthem. But, uh, I mean, even if it was a national anthem, it's mm. very rude to yeah. turn your back on somebody's national anthem. Mm. But mm. maybe it's not, a, you know, I mean, many institutions have an anthem that, express their, that expresses their values. Um, well, well do, do, you actually, do you actually blame them? They're not very happy, are they? I mean, if, if things were running to plan, we, we wouldn't, uh, we Britain would wouldn't have been there, right? So they're not very happy to be there because of the That's current right. quagmire, well, right? 
If they're not very happy to be there, um, I mean, I wonder why they stood for election and mm. are there. You mm. know, they turn up uh, for a ceremony for an institution that they are prepared to stand for election for and yeah. are prepared to uh, take salary from. Yeah. I don't know what one's attitude should be to an institution that you believe shouldn't exist, but wow. I'm not sure that going there and then uh, turning your back... Mm. On, and, and let's think about the values that are expressed in the anthem that they turned their back on. Yeah. I mean, you know, I take it that one means one doesn't agree with this, these sentiments, but mm. these are sentiments that any decent, caring person would agree with, that we should work together with other human beings and, yeah. and be friendly rather than hostile. Yeah, no, no, no. I understand that. I mean, uh, of course, they don't seem to be too happy. Uh, but, uh, but again, it's no, they're it's, not it's, happy. Yeah, they're not well, happy. But of course, they're, they're happy to actually use the platform for uh, for, for a political, you know, statement that they want to make. Saying that they're not happy. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and then of course the, the the fact that we're still in this quagmire. So you know, they would have yeah. felt that it, it's it's good for us to remain part of that institution, uh, and, and to to precisely make our you know our views heard. And I think that's what they've. And they've got a bit of publicity, haven't they? They've used it for publicity for yeah. our domestic issue. I mean, you know, of course, one of the uh, points one might make is that it's not the EU uh, that decides to leave. It's us that mm. decides to leave. So it's a domestic, it's an issue for the UK. Right. Okay, uh, I, I mean, I, I have heard of historically, and, and even the, in in the current, you know, uh, political landscape around the world, you know, a lot of you know people making protests in houses yeah. of their respective parliaments. Uh, unfortunately, uh, a, a bit more uh, unsavory scenes sometimes when they decide to throw throwing things at one another. In, in <laughs> some instances, of course, but it, it, it is an opportunity to make a political statement, and that's what they've done. But but how can yeah? But how can I not ask you that my next question dr Catherine, and that's uh, you know what, what are your views on, on getting out of brexit and uh, and and do you think it's going to happen sometime soon and uh, are you an optimist with 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 the current you know uh, kind of a leadership contest that's going on with the conservatives and are we are we any wiser from theresa may with uh, mr johnson or mr hunt uh, well, I don't think that we should be improving our situation <laughs> by changing Theresa May for mm. either of those uh, ca- candidates. Uh, I think it's it's very depressing the state of politics in this country. Uh, the 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 optimistic thing, I suppose, is the swing towards a Remain position that many people have changed their mind. But we seem to have a government that is set on uh, doing exactly what the majority of people no longer want to do. Mm. As far as we can make out in the polls, uh, it would not uh, have a democratic mandate now to do that. Um, well, can, can, can we really say it doesn't have a democratic uh, mandate when it, that's precisely on on the back end of what, what they're currently, you know, currently actually implementing? They're, they're trying to implement something. Mm. Well, of course, there are many reasons why the uh, uh, the referendum in 2016, which is now three years ago, wow. uh, was not properly democratic. Uh, right. And I could go into those uh, issues. Um, there were m- many faults. In, Unfortunately, we don't uh, have the time the to go into the details, but, but, no. but, yeah, yeah, but, but, I, 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 but, I, but I think more, more to the point is, what, uh, why would you still, three years later, where, uh, believe that people hold 
that they made the right decision then or that even the decision that they made was at all transparent about what they meant. Are, are you suggesting another, uh, and is the party, is, is the Green Party position another referendum, uh, Dr. Catherine? Uh, the Green Party position is that we should have a people's vote, which doesn't mean another referendum. It means uh, a clear decision made by the people who will be affected about what kind of Brexit, uh, if any, they wish to have. So mm. we were not presented with the option of what the deal would be. And we need to know whether any deal or no deal would actually meet the requirements right. of the po- population. Right. You know, I, I have unfortunately been lost in the weeds of all of this conversation yeah. and, and uh, all the details. But I mean, is, is there a significant difference between these, the three, whether it's May, Hunt uh, and Johnson in, in their overall strategy when it comes to Brexit? Uh, I don't know whether they have a strategy, to oh, be honest. Right. <laughs> uh, well, there's a common uh, denominator there then, isn't it? I, I really can't see how any leader could have a strategy and still think that we should leave because it's been clear over the last mm. three years that try as they may, they can't work out anything that would actually... Uh, be successful. I mean, right. you know, the Northern Ireland problem has mm. not gone away and mm. it won't go away. Yeah. What are they going to do about it? They haven't got a plan. All right. All right. And, and the last quick question for you. Uh, how is the Green Party doing uh, these days, uh, Dr. Catherine? Uh, the Green Party is in fine fettle. We have many councillors around the country doing right. uh, important work. Mm. We now have seven MEPs uh, getting to grips with uh, making big changes in Europe to try and in- improve uh, climate and fossil fuels and taxation and all sorts of things that are problematic uh, across the borders. And, and do you think the current uh, kind of manifesto and uh, concerns over the the green issues are making a, a clear, uh, you know, voter decision and distinction between the uh, the, the normal parties and the Green Party? Uh, I hope so. Yes, mm. I, I mean, of course, we've been uh, talking about the urgency of these issues for a long time, but I think it is now clear to parents and grandparents that they need to listen to their children who understand what kind right. of world they're going to end up in. Right. Um, so we have many people who are prepared to vote the way they actually think that we should go these days. Okay, fantastic. On that note, Dr. Catherine, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Have a lovely weekend. Enjoy the weather. Thank you very much, Dr. Catherine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, listeners, that was Dr. Catherine from the Green Party uh, and who is a Green Party MEP for East of England giving us her view with regards to some demonstrations that took place in the European Parliament at the inaugural session uh, where some of the MEPs from the the anti-Europe party turned their backs on the anthem in political process and you know what that brings me end towards the uh, in fact brings me end or towards the end of uh, Friday Night Live this evening on the Friday 5th of July mashallah I think it's been a it's been a fantastic discussion this evening in the first hour on Pakistan and it was great to have uh, Abu Isra uh, Muhammad Atif and, and Usman Zaid a great, uh, again great team from the fr- a great effort from the Friday Night Live team getting uh, some great guests lined up uh, and then we've been discussing Palestine 
and uh, the uh, the peace to prosperity so-called peace to prosperity conference economic conference that's been happening in Bahrain and finally finishing off with Dr. Catherine that has been Friday Night Live uh, with me Hafi Shaban I mean uh, next week we, we are going to be back inshallah I will be back uh, with another a couple of topics that we're going to be presenting and discussing uh, it's always great to hear from you our listeners and you know what I also want to actually go out there to our listeners and say if you think that we should be discussing a topic here on Friday Night Live why don't you make a suggestion why don't you make a suggestion if you want to hear a topic being discussed make a suggestion and you know we'll pick it up the team will pick it up and you never know we might be discussing it next week uh, the number here in the studio is as always 01582481822 do try to get involved 0779481822 for your social media messages next week I'm hoping inshallah I'm going to have a, uh, another panelist with me here in the studio I'm not going to quite reveal his identity but I should have his identity for you very soon he's going to be joining me in the studios as a fellow co-presenter stroke panelist to discuss the topical topics and debates uh, debating points of the day inshallah ta'ala. and that's something for you to look forward to for next week but unfortunately it is the end of the road for me tonight this evening on Friday Night Live inshallah ta'ala. time to go away and enjoy the rest of the evening and uh, look forward to the weekend and I hope you also do that uh, folks uh, listeners also inshallah ta'ala do join me next week plenty of ways to join me you can listen to us live on the on the radio of course via our website or via the Facebook live stream inshallah ta'ala to see what's happening here in the studio until next week it is me Hafi Shaban it is Friday Night Live and it is Inspire FM Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi وبركاته Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at inspirefmluton.